and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, editor-in-chief of Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. Hey, James, how's it going? Yeah, good. I'm, I'm melting. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm freezing. It's, <laughs> it's getting a little cold now, but I'm sure that's the exact opposite for you. Yeah, it's just started to get really, really crazy here. Like It, it felt like winter a week ago. And now we're all just sweating profusely, and it's disgusting. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I hope I hope it gets better soon. Maybe in the next uh, six months or so. Um, this is the Super Jump Podcast. Here we talk about all things gaming, whether it be as granular as specific game discussions or as uh, general as as just what's going on. This year, we've had the opportunity to do a lot of granular, specific game discussions. I think we published episodes on Sonic Mania and uh, and Super Mario Odyssey specifically, but we also, well, we tried to do some other episodes <laughs> before when we weren't really, when we didn't really know what we were doing so much, we tried to do a Breath of the Wild episode, and we could have done tons of those kinds of episodes this year, which is kind of what this episode of the show is about but before we begin just a reminder if you can subscribe to us on itunes or somewhere else anywhere you can subscribe to us please do so it's very very helpful um no matter where you subscribe and follow us on medium at the super jump the main super jump magazine that's good too okay james this year is uh it's very good year everyone's saying that it's a good year for video games i don't think we're rocking the boat at all to say that it's a good year for video games it's kind of like i i i figure uh th this year is a good year for video games this game is like dark souls and um i'm not sure if it's quite worth the money are the three things that i keep hearing in like every review about any game that comes out this year um so I, I guess I'm sorry for being cliche, but we're, it's being said for a reason. There are a lot of great games this year. I uh, compiled the list, James, of a bunch of games that I saw on not just one, but more than one game of the year list. So this, this list I have right here, it's, um, I, I, I checked out about five to five or to seven-ish uh, different top five articles and YouTube videos for games of the year. And if I saw one game pop up more than once, I wrote it down. And there's a lot of them. Are you ready? Yep, sure. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Persona 5, Resident Evil 7, Super Mario Odyssey, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Nier Automata, Hor uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Sonic Mania, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, What Remains of Edith Finch, Injustice 2, Splatoon 2, and Divinity Original Sin 2. All of those games uh, popped up on multiple top fives. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. And I know we, I feel like we sort of keep saying this every episode, but I'm sure that 2017 is an unusual year in terms of releases. And I think one thing that's interesting about it as well is, um, uh, and mind you, this I might need to apologize to the Xbox One players a little bit in a second, but um, pretty much any console you're playing, you're 
you're going to be able to play one of these games. Um, a lot yeah. of them are multi-platform. There are a couple that are exclusive. Um, but it, it feels like, you know, no matter where you're coming from, there's kind of a wealth of choices for you. Well, it seems... Okay, if I... Uh, I'm going to reread the list with only multi-platform games. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil 7, Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus, Sonic Mania, Injustice 2. It's That's it, actually. Um, <laughs> everything else is either PC and one console or just PC. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so good year for games pretty unusually good year for uh console exclusive games for playstation and nintendo again mm. yeah sorry sorry microsoft <laughs> um wow right it, it's so many and with that many individual high-ranking games with when the a tier is so wide people are going to miss out on these games i think i played less than half of these um did how many did you play mm, i'm just looking at the list so in terms of what i what i haven't played at all um i definitely haven't played PUBG. Mm-hmm. um mostly because i in terms of pc i've only got a little macbook so there's no way in hell i'm running a game like that um i haven't played what remains of edith finch um i haven't played injustice 2 or Divinity Original Sin 2, but everything else that you just read out, I've played. Um, when you said you hadn't played either Finch, I uh, I waved my finger around like a sassy, <laughs> a sassy, sassy person, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't account for this being an audio-only medium, so I'm well, not sure. That came through. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, I, I felt it. I just felt it <laughs> from across the ocean. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, you know what, um, and, and I swear this doesn't mean that the game has gone there to die, but it is on my backlog, and <laughs> that backlog is growing despite my attempt to get through it, and I have made some pretty valiant attempts in the last few weeks to to get through it and kind of to, uh, it sounds horrible, but to churn through stuff a little bit more. So um, there's a second list I have. Yeah, that um, these are all the games that I saw exactly one time on mm. uh, top five lists when I was going through them. Uh, Cuphead, Assassin's Creed Origins, Neo, Ukulele, For Honor, A Hat in Time, and Destiny Two. Yes, um, I I am actually looking at one right now. I just saw Des- Destiny Two and added that <laughs> to the list. Um, I'll, we'll call that the B tier, uh, even yeah. though. It's still in people's top fives. It's still any other year that's an A tier, but we'll call that the B tier. Yeah. You cannot play all these games. No. You no just way. can't. No. Um, especially because Breath of the Wild, that's a 100-hour game. Mm. Mario is 60 hours. Persona 5, that's another 100-hour game. PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is multiplayer only, but you want to play a good number of hours of that game. Um, same with Injustice 2, same with Splatoon 2, Divinity Original Sin 2 is a 100-hour game, Mm. Horizon Zero Dawn I think is around 60, Mario's 62, uh, Wolfenstein and Nier are both around the 10-hour mark, which is, uh, polite of them, (laughs) (laughs) but 
God, how are you can't, right? Like you just can't do those. You can't do them all. No, you can't. And and the other thing is, um, one of the things that I find interesting is, and it's probably true with, I'm just looking at the list, it's probably true with PUBG and <clears throat> Destiny 2, which is we're seeing um, more and more of these games coming out as like um, game as a service or game as a platform. And so one thing I've noticed, and it, my, the example in my world is probably Destiny 2, because I know some people that play it really religiously, and it's not just that they play it religiously and they're not finishing it, it's that it is this kind of constant, ever-evolving experience, you know. So there's the main game, there's kind of the end game stuff that you do, like the big raid and everything, and then... There are all of the events, you know, the weekly events and the various events that are dropped in by Bungie. Uh, and of course, there's DLC coming up pretty shortly as well. So <clears throat> some of these games, I feel like people are, people might pick one or two games that they're actually going to invest in as a platform and they're actually going to, you know, um, they're going to buy stuff in game, they're going to buy DLC, they're going to do regular rating with other players, that type of thing. So f there are a lot of people who aren't even thinking, oh, you know, I can't play all these games. They're actually really committed to kind of one or two franchises in a year, mm -hmm. which I couldn't do because I'm way too fickle and I get bored really quickly and, you know, shiny object and I run off in the other direction. Um, and And I don't know about you, but my instinct is kind of, I want to try all of these games, even if I don't finish them. When someone mentions a game and it sounds interesting to me, I want to at least try it and see what it's about. Yeah, I, I think it's because Player Unknown's Battlegrounds took me by surprise earlier this year. It's not the kind of game, at least in its aesthetic, and that's kind of all that I saw of it at first that I would normally be drawn to. But I was. I, I, I was drawn to PUBG. As soon as I gave it a chance and I, I watched um, some some streams of it, I love this game. It's it's an amazing game. Yeah. Um, and I've never cared about realistic shooters before in in, in a real way. I, I like Call of Duty sometimes. I I, uh, I will enjoy a battlefield, but PUBG is a different kind of game altogether. Mm. Um. Yeah. So e even if I don't like all of these games. I don't even know that I don't like them because I just <laughs> I just won't get the chance. Yeah. Um, so like question. divinity for me is like I just can't. I don't know. I won't. <laughs> I won't know. <laughs> you I might just love it. you you just know that you're not gonna know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So and I have no judgment, good or bad, on what that game is. So are you? It, it, I get the impression just through the discussions we have in every show and the discussions we have outside the show, I feel somehow like you are a more disciplined person than me. You give off that <laughs> vibe. Somehow you just do, right? Um, so my question is, like, let's say you're playing, I don't know, maybe Breath of the Wild's a good example because it's such a big game. Do you, like, say you're playing Breath of the Wild, something else comes out that you're really interested in, do you try to juggle multiple games or do you sort of shelve a game for a little while and think, okay, I'm going to come back to it later? Like what's your, how, how do you kind of take your poison? 
Um, what I'll do is I'm actually <laughs> in this regard a lot less disciplined than you may assume I am. <laughs> um, because what happens is when I come into money that I don't need to spend on things I need to spend it on, I will spend all of it <laughs> at once on <laughs> video games. And I'll usually get through a big chunk of, chunk of them. And uh, I like the last time I did, did this, I did it with, I got What Remains of Edith Finch and Thimbleweed Park and Golf Story and uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. Mm. And... Unfortunately, SteamWorld Dig 2 has been perma-shelved. Um, it's, I haven't <laughs> turned it on. Yep. And I want to try it. it. Like I have a friend, uh, if Chad's listening out there, hey, Chad. Uh, Chad has been telling me so many times, hey, dude, <laughs> SteamWorld Dig 2 is the best mining simulator of 2017. <laughs> and I believe him. <laughs> I, think, I think it's safe to say that. I just <laughs> haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, so yeah, my, well, my confession along those lines and, and admittedly I didn't buy it. It was lent to me by my friend, Michael, who, by the way, is a regular listener of this show. And also by the way, has, Hey Chad, um, Hey Michael. He's, he's instructed me to stop saying breath of the wild. Uh, I told him he should turn it into a drinking game and he'll be drunk after the first 10 minutes of any episode. Is that just Um, for you or is that for me too? I think it's primarily for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're at a social gathering and he's like, you say Breath of the Wild too much. You compare everything to Breath of the Wild. Just give it a rest. (laughs) Uh, Crap. (laughs) (laughs) But he doesn't have a switch yet. When he plays it, he'll he'll understand, I'm sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, Oh, we just did Mario too. I'm sure there was a bunch in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, so we've got like, what we're talking about at the moment are, are all these games that have come out in, in the one year. So they're all new games or they're maybe re-releases or something like that. But yeah, do you, and, and again, this could just be me, I could be treating this like a therapy session. Do you also buy stuff that's been out for years that you see it and you think, oh yeah, I never owned that game, I want to pick that up. And you just add that to your backlog as well? Mm, not so much. What I'll do is what I what I'll do is maybe worse. When something's been out for years and I'm just now interested in it, I, I try to rationalize it to myself like, <laughs> well, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. That's just an impossible thing for me to do now. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll sometimes go back and, and uh break that rule it's not a rule i don't like it i don't like that i do it um recently um earlier this year i bought wolfenstein the uh the new new blood no old blood new order (laughs) i don't know why that was hard (laughs) for me i i did that um in anticipation of the new wolfenstein yeah. And um, that felt good. But then I also thought, hey, I haven't played Witcher 3. And I want to play Witcher 3. I like everything I've heard about it. I want to support um, that studio because I like what they're doing. And I just I couldn't convince myself to play that open world game this year. Because mm. it's it's so big. And I think even though it may not take as many hours as another, as, as another game, uh, the fact that it is open world 
makes me feel like those hours will take more of my time somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I could play, um, you know, Persona, take about the same amount of time, but that's new, and that's this year, and that's the thing people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's, it's tough, man. Um, so here's, here's what I want to talk about. When there's this many great games coming out, is there a room for a B-list um, we had a discussion the other week, I think two weeks ago, mm. when Wolfenstein, Mario, and Assassin's Creed Origins came out all the, on the same day. Yeah. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about Assassin's Creed, and we were like, oh, thank God this one's just okay. <laughs> because we don't have to play it. <laughs> yeah, it's just a good B+. Plus. Yeah, it's, it seems like a good B+. Plus. Did you uh, get to play it? Yeah, I started playing it, actually. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's so I was talking to my sister about it last night because she's a big gamer as well, and um, the funny thing was I started playing it and I immediately felt like I was going to have to force myself to play through it. It just, you know, <laughs> the, yes, the world is huge and the graphics are pretty and the sound and music is good. The story I'm not really following. The acting sort of average. Um, but the moment to moment gameplay is just feels a little bit rough, um, for lack of a better word. It's not nearly as nuanced and polished as most of the other kind of big AAA games I've played this year. The combat in particular is very sort of clumsy and clunky. And I was really harsh about that initially. But as I've been playing it and as I've been kind of traveling and uncovering more areas on the map, I'm actually really getting into it. I, I actually do think it's really good. Um, it's just, it kind of has a similar problem, I think, to The Witcher 3, which is as gorgeous as it looks and as huge as the world is, those kind of small moment-to-moment -moment interactions feel a bit sort of slow and clumsy. And you've got to just attune yourself to it, I think. You've got to, like, if you went and played, um, oh, how do I not say Breath of the Wild? If <laughs> Just say Mario Odyssey instead. Mario Odyssey. If you went and played <laughs> Mario Odyssey, or if you went and played Nier, because Nier, the control in Nier is just beautiful. Um, if you went and played that and then jumped straight into Assassin's Creed, you feel like you're going back in time. It feels oh yeah, sort of archaic. But... If you just let yourself live in that Assassin's Creed world for a little while, it is actually very good and it is pretty consistent. And as I say, I don't know what's going on in the story because I'm pretty much ignoring a lot of it. Um, but, but the gameplay, the stealth, um, it's quite good. It's, it's not at the level of some of these other games we've mentioned. But as we said, you know, if it was any other year, um, this would be pretty close to the top of my list really yeah really pretty close yeah that's amazing um i didn't expect that honestly uh i just i just can't man i just can't <laughs> i don't have the time i uh when, when something gets a seven or eight out of ten now i i have to wonder is that enough previously yeah. it was definitely enough um earlier this year i played ukulele i enjoyed having my time with ukulele i wrote a review of it it's it, i have a very complicated relationship with that game 
I would never have missed it. Um, but if it came out later on in the year, I just... I would still have played it. I, I'm not going to lie about that. I mm. definitely still would have played Ukulele. Um, because I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of Banjo-Kazooie and that team. But I don't know how well I can, I can re- refer to it anymore. I liked the game a lot. I wrote about it in my review, how much uh, I, I enjoyed it. And I had a lot of problems with it. But overall, those problems and the good parts of the game seem to have kind of mellowed out into a nice... A nice solid seven out of ten. <laughs> Sometimes you have weak seven out of tens. This is a strong seven out of ten. <laughs> this is a respectable seven out of ten. A respectable, <laughs> yeah. respectable, clean seven out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As yeah. far as seven out of tens go, this was a ten out of ten. And um, <laughs> it was I, a seven point seven six out of ten. Yeah, and and we're we're doing uh well, this is a a bit of a tease, I, I guess. We're doing you, me, and Kaylee Kwa are doing a, a combined effort in trying to figure out what our each of our personal uh top five games of the year are i don't think i can bring ukulele i don't i i don't know i don't know if i can and that that's that's the kind of thing that this trend is doing and I, i'm wondering if it's maybe eventually going to be bad for the industry because the biggest AAA studios, EA, Ubisoft, um, Activision Blizzard, Square Enix, they're going to look at this year and they're going to say, okay, we need to pump a lot more money and a lot more effort and time into fewer games. And because that is their approach, they will get it wrong, which means that there will still probably be a bunch of 7 out of 10s but they're putting all of this money and time into them, so they feel when they they only do all right, they flop harder, you know. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering if if that could just be like a slip a slippery slope argument that kind of got away from me, or it could actually happen. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's a reasonable fear. And the other, what I would add to that is, and I don't know if I'd call it a fear, but if you look at what's happening with um. Um, as I mentioned before, Destiny 2, but you could also even look at Final Fantasy 15. Right. Um, that came out that, less than a year ago, so that's I'll, I'll even lump that in with this year. Yeah. It was and, eligible and for this year's Game Awards. Absolutely. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the kind of DLC history with that game, like I... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if they've introduced it yet, but they they are introducing a major multiplayer component to the game i believe Um, it happened i think it's happened yeah um and so what's happening i think is this growing trend of and and it probably is because games are so expensive as well to make um there is this trend of turning games into a platform or games into a long-term service and trying to kind of say to players you're going to invest in this franchise or you're going to invest in this game and it's not just going to be a game you play and finish and shelve it's going to be this kind of constantly evolving changing experience where you're constantly being asked to invest money in it over time um so it's kind of almost that candy crush effect but in triple a form and i'm not necessarily saying it's a 
good thing or a bad thing. I think in a lot of cases, it's probably a great thing. But it it's interesting because it makes me wonder if we're going to see more and more of those kinds of games and less and less of these kind of discrete single-player games that aren't constantly asking you for money and that aren't constantly asking you to kind of, you know, try the next piece of content that's become available for that game. You know, I thought I thought that could be the case. Um, and I'm no longer thinking that could be the case. Um, earlier this year, I would have said that seems like how it's going. Yeah. When games like Ghost Recon Wildlands were the number one selling game of the year. And that was mm. the case for a very long time this year. And now it's only number four. The number one selling game this year is now Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. We're going to talk about that again. But just in the terms of sales, that's Breath of the Wild. And then number two, I think, is Horizon. And I'm sure that uh, Wolfenstein 2 is going to do at least fine. Mm. And Resident Evil 7 did at least fine. Um, and I think Nier Automata was a bit of a surprise, uh, surprise hit. Yeah. And Sonic Mania did really well, right? So these these single player games they're they're not going away um but they will be more i don't think they will be the default thing anymore because they were the default yeah. thing for a very long time um, yeah yeah i think that's right I, I i agree with that i think they they won't be the default thing um and i i do feel that the success of those games is kind of a a vindication in a way you know it's it's kind of a statement about um, how great these kind of immersive single-player experiences can be. And, you know, again, to have had so many of them in one year is, is pretty incredible. Um, it is. I And just speaking of the B-list stuff, so you mentioned ukulele as, as being on your B-list. Um, well, I, that, that list being constructed out of things that I saw ukulele once in a top five, which is why I put it there. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about like our kind of top five games for the year, which I know we haven't quite gotten to that yet, um, do you think you'd have a lot of runners up? Like, is, is it going to be hard for you to choose five? Well, I've, I've, I've chosen four very easily. <laughs> yeah. And then I have like seven that I could put in that fifth slot. Mm. Um. <laughs> that's the problem that I'm running yeah. into. Uh, I, I I guess I don't want to spoil which four those are right now on the podcast, but um, I'm like I'm pretty sure, and I'm sure Michael can guess one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this might um, this might prompt our first hate mail potentially. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I did so just on that I I did want to mention a couple of games that I think have flown under the radar. Okay. And I don't think they're on any lists from anyone in terms of um, publications or anything. They are um, Everybody's Golf. Okay. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot about Everybody's Golf, but it, it kind of died down a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games that I think, I feel like it deserved to do better, like it deserved to get more attention than it did. And I, it, it's a game that, truth be told, I wouldn't have gone and bought it. I, I reviewed it because 
Sony sent it to us for review. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go. Um, I had seen it at E3 and it looked interesting, but I didn't know very much about it. And it's absolutely fantastic. Um, considering my interest in golf in general is like below zero, the fact that everybody's golf was so interesting and I actually put a good amount of hours into it, I think is a pretty good you know, indication of how great it actually is. Um, and so I'm kind of glad that Golf Story did well. I feel like there are these, weirdly, there are these amazing golf games coming out as yeah, well. what's up with that? Which is really strange. Um, and the other one is Ruiner by, I'm going to mispronounce their, the studio name by Raycon Games. Uh, You'll have to remind me what this is. Ruiner is like a, it's kind of an isometric perspective, cyberpunk beat-em-up game. Um, it's kind of got design elements that are a little bit like a bullet hell arcade experience, but it's, it's really about kind of melee combat and, um, you know, there are projectile weapons and things, but you're kind of primarily moving around the screen really, really fast and, hitting enemies with physical weapons. And I really recommend checking out, like go and check it out on YouTube or something because the visual style is amazing. It's very reminiscent of Akira in terms of art direction. Um, Really great electronic soundtrack. Um, And it's, again, it's kind of one of these games I was looking forward to, but it's really fallen under the radar. It's made by this really, really small indie team. Um, although I think the, the developers at Raycon Games have a pretty um, significant pedigree, like they've come from larger studios and they've all, they're all quite experienced in the industry. Um, but this is their first game uh, as, as Raycon. And I think, I'm just trying to remember what platforms it's available for. I've got it on PlayStation 4. I think it might also be on Steam. I'm not sure about Xbox One. Interesting. Is it, uh, is it indie? Is it an indie game? Yes. Yep. Cool. I'll, I'll have to at least look at that. Uh, it sounds interesting. These, yeah. um, here's the question. James, what if I don't, though? What if I don't look at Ruiner? What if you never play um, PUBG? What if I never play Horizon Zero Dawn? Is that bad? Like, are we doing a disservice to ourselves? Because I want to be a well-read gamer. I want to know what's up. I want to have my finger on the pulse, especially because we both write about games and we review games. Is it bad that, like... If the DLC for, I'm so sorry, Michael, Breath of the Wild comes out (laughs) and there's something that it does poorly, but Horizon Zero Dawn does well, and I don't catch that, is that not great? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, uh, I, I think it does come down to that difference between the average gamer and someone who writes about games. I do think that's a fair distinction to draw. Um, for me... If you compare me to the average gamer, whoever that is, um, so if I think about the people around me that play games, they would probably say that I'm like 
and obsessive and that I play way more games than they do and I'm familiar with much more than they are in terms of different games for different platforms. And yet when I write and when I talk to other game writers, I often feel that I'm missing, you know, I often feel I've got big gaps in my knowledge. Um, I'm often, I often feel like I'm saying, oh yeah, I haven't played that or I've heard of that, but I don't know much about it. So, um, I, I personally feel that all the time that I'm kind of constantly chasing, um, information, if that makes sense, at least, Mm -hmm. at least to be aware of what's going on to enough fidelity that I can write about it that I've got some frame of reference for what I'm writing um well, the way the way, the thing that makes it a little more I don't know if I want to say excusable but it, it definitely complicates the matter a little bit um if we were movie people if this was a movie podcast the answer would just be go see the movies what are you doing just, yeah like if you haven't seen mother with an exclamation point you need to because it will be talked about at the end of Mm. this year um and it's just like two hours of your time you could probably pull it up on your computer immediately and just watch it and games people don't have that luxury um because games for one are are way more expensive uh if if a game is twenty dollars that's cheap if a movie is twenty dollars that's very expensive uh, games take way longer than two hours. Again, we were talking about some taking a hundred hours, and some are exclusive to different hardware. So you need to get the hardware and make sure that works with the monitor you have. It's a whole process in order to play one game, and that in, in the history of video games, that hasn't really gotten any easier mm. since the Famicom in, in Japan in 1983. Like it, we really haven't come that far in that regard. And I, you just, you just can't, you just have to understand that most people will see less than 10% of the games that come out in a given year. And that makes discussion really hard and it probably cripples it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm constantly, even just reading, um, comments and discussions online, um, I will see, I'll say, for example, a thread a thread on Reddit about um, someone asking a really fundamental question about The Witcher Three, you know, that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, because they've just bought it, they're playing it now for the first time, and for me, it's a little bit like, like I have to remember that I'm in a slightly rarefied atmosphere because I'm reading that and thinking, oh yeah, that's right. Most normal people don't just pick up every, every game, game they're interested in <laughs> as soon as it comes out. Like people sure. do, you know, the, the huge number of people are kind of playing something months or even years later and, uh, and just having that experience themselves for the first time. Um, so I think that's an important thing to bear in mind as well. There's, there's a lot of games that I feel there should be more discussion about, and there just, they're just aren't. Um, Sonic Forces was not a good game, according to everyone who's played it. 
Um, it was a fine game, according to some Sonic fans that have uh, Sonic fans that have played it, but not as good as other Sonic games recently. And um, it came out two weeks ago, and the the discussion is pretty much over everywhere I'm seeing it. Uh, the the Sonic Forces discussion has has died, and it, I don't think it's a game that deserves like years and years of analysis or whatever. But maybe it deserved a month. <laughs> Of analysis, yeah. uh, maybe it deserved a, 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 a month. Is it okay that some games are just going to come out, especially this year, uh, see no attention and, and just wither away because people are at just such a higher level of expectation right now? Yeah, it's hard to say because I think this also kind of ties into the idea that... Um, and we've talked about this before, you know, uh, when it comes to reviews, there is that whole pattern of um, all the publications kind of come out and review the same game at about the same time. They're all kind of racing to release the review first. There might be some coverage afterwards if you're really lucky. If you're Breath of the Wild, you get coverage from months and months and probably years later. Mm. But... There is that almost disposable quality to games as well with so many good ones coming out that, as you say, with Sonic Forces, you know, the game comes out, game gets reviewed, whether it's good or bad, and kind of gets thrown on the trash heap next. It's it's that kind of... Um, that's definitely what I'm seeing as well. And I, I kind of think that's one reason why... Um, much as I much as I just talked about buying games as soon as they come out, um, I, I do sometimes like to kind of wait for a while and go back and play a game once the kind of all the attention has died down a little bit. Um, I feel like yeah. you you know I feel like people have had that time to digest it, to really reflect on it and understand it. And it's not, you're not in that mode of, oh my God, we have to rush, we have to get this out. You know, for most outlets, this is a problem, but it's not a, a, that much of a problem, you know? If you're yeah. IGN, if you're Polygon, if you're GameSpot, you have certain people that play certain games and represent certain aspects of the gaming community or communities and just they will just tackle different things. You'll have your RPG guy, and he could have yeah. done Divinity Original Sin 2 and Persona 5, and uh, Nier Automata is not exactly an RPG, but you get the point. Mm. Um, and, and that guy will be very well-versed in RPGs and knows the RPG community. Um, we're just two guys on this podcast. There are other writers for Super Jump, but um, there are only a couple that continually write for the outlet that's a problem for us, but I, I try to at least... This is a new thing I'm doing, James. I'm, I'm trying to at <laughs> least work in a little bit of, like, should I play this game or this game? And if I think you're going to play one of them, I'll do the other one. Well, you know, Mitchell, you, the key is you got to turn that frown upside down <laughs> and <laughs> see it as an opportunity and not a challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we... I guess... Just between us, you know, like we try to be a bit smart about it in terms of, especially with a big release 
and especially with a big Nintendo release, we, you know, we have some back and forth about who's going to review it and how we're going to tackle it. But yeah, uh, because us two people are, especially when you get right down to it, not very different kinds of gamers. Yeah, we we will gravitate toward largely the same thing. Yeah. Yep. This is what we've learned over our few months of recording <laughs> together. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I guess the the luxury we have at the end of the day is we're not um I I really feel like this is turning into a super jump philosophy podcast. <laughs> but it's fine, that can be what know, it is. That's fine. The, the luxury we have is that we we aren't at all um competing in in that space, you know, in that um, in that red ocean where everyone else is, I think we. Sure. I see us as being much more on the the DK Vine end of things, in the sense that I mean, <laughs> we're, we're very different to them, obviously, but we're much more trying to carve out our own identity, and you know, we. That's why I think one of the principles is when we do reviews, you'll notice like we've got a few of them now from a few different writers, and we don't have any negative reviews and that's not because someone's paying us off it's because what we're about is sharing our enthusiasm and love for games so um when you look at the reviews there's not much rhyme or reason to them in the sense that you know we don't kind of organize them as here's our playstation reviews nintendo xbox it's really just whatever you want to review as a writer you know, go ahead and review it. If it's if it's something that's um, if it's something that's really kind of spoken to you and and you're really interested in it and it's been compelling for you, go ahead and write about it. That's kind of the approach we're taking. I'll write a negative review. You want me to write a negative <laughs> review? It wasn't a challenge, Mitchell. It wasn't a challenge. <laughs> I didn't like arms. I'll do that. <laughs> You can be our resident contrarian second opinion <laughs> guy. <laughs> you can be the one that says Breath of the Wild was too open. It was just too open. I just couldn't stand it. Yeah, too too um too much breadth, too much wilderness. <laughs> yeah. It was too wild. So we're we're people that are kind of halfway between normal consumers of media and and media personnel for the games industry. Um, so we kind of have our own situation, but what about, what about people that review things for a living? Are they going to have to just not stop playing games? Is it okay if they come from a place of, of not playing a game of not playing like even important games that might inform your opinion on other games? That was worded poorly. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so I, I think from my experience working with those people from time to time, I, I think the short answer is no, it's not okay. Um, and just to elaborate on that a little bit more, I think what you will find in a lot of cases is um, obviously, you know, a, a publication will assign certain games to you for preview or review or news or whatever and you don't really have control over that other than maybe you are particularly interested in a certain area or you're particularly knowledgeable about a certain genre 
but generally speaking, you, you get what you're given, so to speak, and you've got your deadlines and everything. Um, but I find what happens is most writers will do that and then in their off time, so just their time at home where they've got free time, they'll still play games, but they'll play them not as a reviewer, they'll just play them as a, as a gamer and they might play something completely different to what they're reviewing. Um, and then the other thing that happens, uh, and you hear this now and then on, if you listen to like any of the IGN podcasts or GameSpot or anyone else, a lot of writers, um, in addition to what they play personally, they are constantly reading and watching their own publications coverage. Mm-hmm. So it is, I, I think guess it's, it's just, if you, if you have a job, be good at your job, right? <laughs> that's. Yeah, yeah, that's the short way of saying it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and especially because, you know, they're not just in a world now where they're only writing. They're in a world where they're writing, where they're joining podcasts, where they're doing uh, filming for YouTube. So they will be kind of context switching all the time. They will be changing conversation all the time. And they really kind of have to always have a pretty up-to-date frame of reference, I think. It, it's... What I'm tempted to say is just disclosure is important, right? Um, to know what you're reading. You can be a very valuable reviewer and not necessarily be the most uh, concise and the most fulfilling reviewer. If you know what I mean, sure. like if you if you're reviewing Splatoon two, I want you to have played Splatoon one, Splatoon two, obviously, and I want you to have played Destiny because that has a similar um, always online, like the world in in Destiny can kind mm -hmm. of change. Splatoon does a similar version to that. I want mm -hmm. you to have played very traditional first person shooter multiplayer games like Call of Duty and Halo. That's optimal. But if you come to it and you, you're explicit up front, hey, this is my first time playing a Splatoon game and I'm also just not a very good... I'm not good at shooters. If that's known, I think I can get a lot from your your review still. But if you are that person and that's unknown, maybe that's not good. But at the same time, if I had to start every podcast by saying, hi, my name is Mitchell Wolf and I haven't played Persona 5... I'd get pretty, pre I'd get pretty upset about that. Like, <laughs> it's not, you can't always ask to know everything about a rev uh, reviewer no. or games no, personnel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think your point about disclosure is key because, um, you, if, if you think about the people that are going to be reading the review, you know, for a lot of people that are playing Splatoon two, they won't have played the first game. You know, there are going to be a hell of a lot of people who are going to want to get the perspective of someone who is going into this new for the very first time that's never seen it before uh, in the same way that, you know, they might also want the perspective of a Splatoon veteran. So I think it's all valuable. I think it is just a matter of um, being open about it, as you say. <sighs> Well, I'm glad we've 
I don't know. I don't think we solved anything, but I think we've wrapped up the the ethics and the practice <laughs> of game reviews with a neat little bow, Mitchell. <laughs> I, you know what? You're right. I don't I don't remember what our thesis coming out of that was, but uh, I hope it was good. I hope someone got something out of it. Um, and I I just wanted to close off the episode by asking, what does your backlog look like right now? What's what's mm. in it? Do you actually keep a list of games that you need to get around to? Oh, no, because that would... I'd get a nervous tick or something. That would drive me crazy. I I couldn't... I just try to put stuff in a drawer and kind of pretend it doesn't exist. Um, because it would... If I actually listed the games I've bought just, say, in the last six months that I haven't actually played yet, uh, it would be highly embarrassing and I would feel very ashamed. Um, I will mention a couple, but this is a tiny little fraction of the list. Um, so recently I bought Final Fantasy IX for PS4. Did you play the original? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. So I'm not hugely guilty about not playing this one. It was just one. I, it's, it's one of those games I just wanted to own. Mm-hmm. Um, I might get around to playing it one day, maybe never. Um, Little Nightmares, which I've watched, so I've seen my sister play it. I am a little bit resigned to the fact I may never play it, but I wanted to own it. That's always a weird thing because if I watch someone play a game and I think it looks great, I'll buy it. But if I watch them play the whole thing, I'll I'll, I'll buy it and I'll look at it when I get home and it's like. Well, I have seen how this goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. It's Yeah, it's really weird. Um, and there are a few games like that where I've, I've maybe like I've watched a Let's Play or something like that, but I'm interested enough in the game. I have this vague notion of wanting to support the developers and I am a little bit of a collector with video games anyway. So I kind of had kind of vaguely bit by bit build up my collection that way. Um, the the other one's Golf Story, which like everyone's raving about. I've bought it and I haven't played it yet. I played and... a few hours of it and I want to play more and I haven't. Yeah, oh, so I'm, okay. I'm there with you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then two games that I've actually just started playing, but who knows if I'll ever finish them. Um, Ruiner, which I mentioned earlier, and Thimbleweed Park, which I never bought the original release of that. I've just bought it on Switch. And, uh, it is, it is incredibly awesome. Um, but, you know, I'll, it's one of those games I'll play a few minutes here and there probably, and that's about it. It's the perfect portable game. Yeah, it's so good for the Switch. Yeah. I think I played that game. It's one of the few games on Switch that I played more in portable mode than on TV mode. I usually play in TV mode. Yeah, I, well, I was, um, and I don't, I don't do this too often, um, but I was playing Thimbleweed Park in bed the night that I bought it, and I mean, you know, like the atmosphere is so perfect for that. Um, so I've I've really been enjoying it, but now that I'm playing Assassin's Creed. You know, Thimbleweed Park's gone a little bit quiet. <laughs> <laughs> when you do eventually get around to finishing Thimbleweed Park, I, I want to talk to you about that. That's a cool game. <laughs> cool. 
Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way as you where I, I have a lot of, I have a lot on my backlog. I have a lot of, I could play this right now stuff going on. And what I'll do is, um, I have this set of shelves where I have all my games and I will put the thing that I need to play if I have a physical version of it just on the top and I'll see it the most prominently I'll, I'll set it up usually i only see the spines but i'll face the cover yeah. toward the inside of the room so it's hey mitchell you want to want to get in here now right now and i of <laughs> yeah. course don't like yeah. the so, thing is, if i put something off long enough i will eventually convince myself subconsciously that i actually don't want to play it yeah. <laughs> and i think it's a survival mechanism yes yes yeah. i know exactly what you mean i've been thinking this lately myself and I've been quietly thinking, like, am I just, is this, am I getting to the stage where this is becoming such a bad first world problem that I'm, it's actually starting to make me anxious? And maybe, maybe I should stop buying games for a few months and just go cold turkey and not think about it. Um, it couldn't hurt. And December is a good month to do it anyway. Yeah, that's um, true. The the game on top of my backlog is actually Ripto's Rage Spyro Two, um, which is weird. <laughs> I, that's that's nineteen ninety seven, yeah. I think. Mm. Um, I I'm part of a uh, I'm part of a retro game club where we have um, one person decides every month. Hey, you're gonna play one game, and the person mm. who decides shifts and. Uh, my friend Daily, who people may know online as Daily Kong, who is one of the uh, community managers for Sea of Thieves, mm-hmm. she picked Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage for us. And I want to get around to playing it because it's almost the end of the month, or we have 10 days, I suppose. And uh, I have not. And I'm sure I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm, I'm positive it won't happen. Yeah. But it's at the top of my backlog. Uh, there is, and this is why I don't, this is why I don't list everything in my backlog because I, there's like two parallel tracks running. Like there's all the new stuff that's coming out all the time that I'm keeping up with. And that's mostly what I play. But then there's the retro collecting side, which I know we have to do an episode about. Yeah, Um, we do. There's the whole retro collecting side, which is just crazy it's ridiculous um and and i have a backlog there as well Ugh. <laughs> it's so much it, it's uh it's an embarrassment of riches really it is life is hard mitchell life is hard um yeah. i want to talk about just just for a, a few seconds because we're running pretty long um that b list again i mm. we put cuphead there assassin's creed um for Honor was supposed to be huge, and it yep. wasn't. Yep. If you were if you were an industry head, how would you react to those games being B tier in terms of quality, according to most people, and receiving the attention and possibly money of a C tier game this year? Yeah. I actually don't know sales, so I can't exactly comment yeah. on that as definitively as I am. But 
it seems that way. I, I looked at some sales the other day, and it definitely didn't shake out that For Honor was making that much money. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it, it makes me wonder if 2017 was kind of an anomaly or whether we will see something similar happen next year. Because obviously, you know, a lot of these games, uh, well, really all of these games have fairly long development cycles. But a game like Cuphead was delayed multiple times. You know, in theory, it should have come out some time ago. So I, I wonder how much of this is just bad luck. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And, and things might even out a little bit more next year. It's really hard to say. Um, but it is something I think about because especially for the smaller studios um, that are, you know, publishers are taking a risk on them and all the rest of it. And it is such a competitive industry and review scores are becoming, they feel like they're becoming far more important than they should be. Yeah, and it definitely, I think the gulf in review scores is becoming wider as well. Like, I'm not seeing much at 8 out of 10. I'm seeing 9s, and I'm seeing 7s, and I'm seeing 5s, but I'm not seeing much at, like, it's pretty good level. Yeah. I'm not seeing that. Yeah. I'm not seeing that. It's pretty good. Uh, and maybe we need to bring that back. Um, we don't review, or we don't rate games here on Super Jump, but... Uh, Maybe I'll put a rating in that bad review of arms I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you been, should. It's been really good. It's been really good talking <laughs> to you uh, today or tonight for me, James. Um, if you want to write into the show, you can do so at podcast at superjump.online. That's podcast at superjump.online. If you want to tell us that we said Breath of the Wild too many times fire away um and if you like the show you didn't mind that we said breath of the wild that many times you can review us on itunes fours and fives on itunes man they help us out so much it's an incredible help that you could give to us um just be honest you don't need to say five out of five if you don't think that's true i mean if you do think that's true definitely go to itunes and do this but um we want to improve and reviews are the reviews and writing into the show are the best way to do that. You can also catch us on social media at facebook.com slash superjumponline and twitter.com slash superjumponline. And of course, uh, superjump.online is our medium page, which is the actual magazine Superjump, uh, where you can check out all of our articles. And we even have write ups for each podcast episode, and it's a great place to be you can see pieces from a lot of different authors it's fantastic we like to close out the show with a section we call after school activities this is where we give the listener a little bit of um a, a little bit of homework that they can check out between episodes of the super jump podcast i'll start this week james um i think you should vote in the game awards if you were listening to us talk about our favorite games this year in that list of uh, a a listing a listing games, you can pick which games you think deserve to be talked about the most most, 
at the Game Awards. I don't actually have a link. That's bad of me. That's bad podcasting. But I'm sure if you just type in Google Game Awards 2017, you will be given the correct page to vote in all those games. The Game of the Year nominations, by the way, for the Game Awards are... The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Persona 5, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That was off the top of my head, James. Um, well done. Pe- people have been talking about the Game Awards more this year than maybe ever before, and maybe that's just because there's such a jump in quality this year. Who knows? Um, yeah, and there's also awards for things like Best Art Direction um, and, and Best Sound Design, which... It's such an important part of game designing, but people only really want to talk about the final quality of the total product sometimes. So make sure you vote in those categories, too. They are important. Cool. Yeah. Uh, What's your after-school activity? Uh, So mine is... It's going to sound weirder than it actually is. Um, It's a channel called Wrestling With Gaming that I found fairly recently. Um... And basically, it's been... I look back at the history of their videos. They only have a few videos there. It looks like they've been uploading videos for about the last sort of... About the last year, maybe a little bit less. And I love it because it's basically a series of small kind of retro video game documentaries. Um, Mm. They range in size. Some of them are more like the 10 minute mark some of them are more like 30 minutes and they're all of those um documentaries about you know like the history of the 3do and the history of the sega saturn and all of this stuff and i know there are millions of those out there on youtube and everybody does them but these are really good they're they're really well researched um they're very they're very detailed and and they definitely present some insights about things I thought I knew a lot about. Um, and I realized watching these videos, there were definitely things I'd missed in my kind of my video game history. So they're, they're still growing. They're still fairly small, but I really recommend checking them out. Um, the videos are pretty awesome. That's cool. When people think of the, uh, the progression of video game consoles these days, they usually just think about um, not even all of Sega or all of Microsoft. It's just the Sega Genesis, the Xbox 360, and then all of the Nintendo and Sony stuff. So when you get the more edge cases with like the 3DO and, and stuff like that, that's really cool. It, it's I'm glad that people are putting effort into doing that kind of research and doing that kind of presentation with that research. If I can make one more suggestion... Um, if you're not a listener to all of the episodes of the show, you're, you're just catching this one. Um, hi, great to meet you. Last week I did a mid jump. Mid jumps are what we do in between episodes of the super jump podcast proper, where it's just me. Um, and sometimes I'll bring on a person to interview or, or a guest just doing something tangentially related to gaming. Last week was an interview with Malik from that cartoon gamer, sorry, the cartoon gamer, uh, a, a YouTube channel. And I thought that interview was really interesting to me. I I really liked talking to Malik about, um, his experience running a gaming YouTube channel and, uh, 
his experience just as a Pokemon fan in general. Uh, he has a unique perspective where he's probably more of a Pokemon anime fan than Pokemon game fan. You don't catch that a lot, and I, I like talking to him about it. Uh, so there was a lot of interesting stuff in that one if you want to check out that episode. So thank you very much for listening. I know we've gone a little bit over an hour, but if you just wait a little bit longer, we'll jump at you next week. Stay super. Stay super.